All right, Joker. I've come to see you here again in Arkham to get the to get the truth out of you. Oh yes, Batman. Welcome. I'm uh, so glad to see you here. It's been a wonderful time. But let me ask. Do you really think you can stop me, Batman? You're right. I can. I'm gonna stop you. Like I always stop you. It's it's gonna be because I'm Batman. Oh yeah, sure. Because you're because you're Batman. But you know, it's it occurs to me that you've never actually failed to completely stop me. I'm not gonna kill you, Joker. That would be wrong, wrong to kill. I mean, you've committed acts of manslaughter before. I had no intention to murder those people. They they just happened to die via consequences okay 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 i can see where you're going with that you know we do have manslaughter laws so it's not like you're not breaking the law there listen joker you're not gonna get in my head today i know you're up to no good tell me batman how would your friends have stopped me how would surely you have some type of father figure in your life that you go to advice for what did he think you should do to stop me well, he, he didn't really say a whole lot, except uh, that you uh, had, were crazy. And uh, something about how he, how, uh, when he was in the army, he burned down a forest to catch a robber. That seems a little excessive, don't you think, Batman? Well, I, I mean, I don't know if he was giving me actual advice there, but uh, now that you mention it, it does seem uh, ecologically and uh, it does seem ecologically problematic. Oh, yes, it. Very ecologically problematic, Batman. <clears throat> but please, uh, surely your other friends, surely you had other friends who had thoughts on how to stop me. What about, what about your friend, Lieutenant Gordon? How would Lieutenant Gordon have stopped me? Well, you know, he's a cop, so obviously we would have uh, arrested you, because we did. Yeah. He's so like, yeah. And, and Harvey Dent, how would, how would Harvey Dent have stopped me? Well, he's the prosecuting attorney, so, you know, he would, he would, uh... Do you think he would ask for the death penalty, Batman? Well, I, I, I mean, uh, that's, that's an, that's, that's an option in the legal system. I, I guess he could have, I guess he could have gone for the death penalty. Like, uh, he'd, he'd kill a bunch of people. Do you agree with the death penalty, Batman? I, I doesn't, I mean, I, I, I don't, I, I, I mean, I don't, uh, object to the systems of law, if, if that's what you're, you're asking me. But would you, do you think it's right to put a man in a chair and throw the switch and watch him reel around in agony? Okay, but look, this is getting really morally complicated. And I, you know, I, I don't normally make those decisions. So that's not, that's not on me. Okay. Okay. All right. So your friends would all, it sounds like they would all kill me. Is that, is that what you're saying? I mean, I, I, uh, look, I, the point is, you, you're a crazy person, and now you're in an asylum, you're, you're gonna get mental health instead of being executed, so, so there, so that, so none of that matters. You know, Gordon, you think he's a good cop, Batman? He's the best cop, he's a good cop, he's, he's one of the main cops standing up against corruption in the city. Then why does he protect bad cops, Batman? Which, but, I, 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 uh, what does his division shelter and protect corrupt cops? Well, I mean, you know, there's a few bad apples, I, I, I guess. And, I, you know, the saying about bad apples, Batman, is that bad apples spoil the whole bunch. You know, that's actually how bad apples work. You put a bad apple in a barrel of apples and it'll slowly rot all the other apples from the inside. That's what a few bad apples means. It's uh, often misunderstood as a downplaying well, uh, I mean, you, okay, so that's some, that's some good points. Okay, you're making, you're making some shockingly coherent points. I, I, uh, do you think Catwoman would have killed me if we'd met in the movies? Okay, listen here, now you're just getting weird and meta, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not, a, I'm not down for that. You know, you know, she participated in the, in, in murdering a bunch of, uh, rich civilians. I, I, I don't know anything about that. Of course not, the third movie hasn't happened yet. Listen, we're not doing that weird meta shit, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm just, you know, you know, it, it just, you know, you were trained by Raj Al Ghul, right? What was his idea to save Gotham? Well, he was gonna, he was gonna, he was gonna kill everybody in Gotham, 
man. You know, that's that's not okay. You can't just kill everybody. It's, it's wrong. It's wrong to kill people. So that's that would be wrong. Okay, okay, but you were you were trained by Rasha. I, I mean, yeah, that that's a thing that happened, and uh, we we uh, uh, we uh, yeah, I was trained by Rasha. but I turned down his invitation to join the League of Assa- the League of Shadows. You know, which I found out later was also known as the League of Assassins. Which, you know, if they had, if they had called it that, I I I, I probably wouldn't have trained with them yeah no it's it's funny how marketing works isn't it batman look i don't know where you're going with this joker but i i i am merely prompting you towards a sense of moral moral ennui i i tell me batman does it how does it feel to be so alone in a world of fascists as the world's only idealist how does that feel batman How does it feel to be surrounded by people who want to break the law or protect corrupt cops? The whole time, you're just out here imagining a world where everyone's good. How does that feel, Batman? See, this is why I start punching people. Because when when I'm punching people, they can't can't get under my my moral uh, confusion like this. Uh, I'm I'm sorry, I have to go. I'm going to have to go. Be alone in my bat cave. All right. Well, thanks for the visit, Batman. I really, uh, really appreciate it. Yeah. Whatever. I've, I've got a. I got a lot to think about. Welcome to the show. Hello, and welcome back to Ruben Uncut. I'm Ruben, and I'm Uncut. Anyways, today I'm going to be talking about the Christopher Nolan Batman movies, because recently I rewatched them, and frankly, they are classics. They are some of my favorite films of all time. There's not a single loser in the bunch. Sure, they each, sure they may have their flaws, but they fucking rule. I love them. I think they're some of the best movies ever made. I don't care what you think. Argue with a wall. Rob Wall. Sorry, if you get that reference, hats off to you. Okay, where was I? Okay, here we go. So a lot of people have made the assertion that the Christopher Nolan Batman movies are kind of fascist Batman or that they are kind of right-wing leaning or fascistic. And I will say that there is definitely fascism in them. However, I think that people are misunderstanding where and who the fascism in Christopher Nolan's Batman movies actually comes from and what it actually does in the stories. So first of all, we have to talk about who Batman is in this and what his journey is. So first of all, the thing you need to understand about Christopher Nolan's Batman is that he is an idealist. Now, there are some of you who I'm guessing are already ready to argue with me about that, but hold your horses, he is. And that's sort of the point. Allow me to continue. Now, I know what you're thinking. Come on, Ruben, Christopher Nolan's Batman's just as much of a fascist as other Batman's. And at the beginning, no, he is not. In fact, throughout this, throughout Christopher Nolan's trilogy of films, Batman does a number of idealistic things. For starters, he talks, of the, he talks about how in his journeys around the world, living with the criminal element, that he actually gained empathy for them and how he actually gained an understanding of poverty through this. How he basically began to understand the types of circumstances that result in criminal in criminals committing their crimes 
this is a very nuanced perspective for Batman to have. Now, he still believes in kicking people's asses, which is less nuanced. However, he also believes that all criminals have a right to essentially a fair judicial process. In the in Batman Begins, he ends up getting excommunicated from the League of Shadows when he refuses to execute a criminal, saying that this is not how it should be done. And the League of Shadows insists to Batman, no, man, the corruption would prevent this guy from getting punished the way he should be. Here, take this sword and chop his head off. However, Batman, instead of chopping off this man's head, decides to create a distraction by throwing a hot poker into a bunch of flammable materials. Now, I don't know if Batman knew he was throwing it into explosives, um, because while that would create the best diversion, um, it's debatable. People definitely died from these choices Batman made here, but one could argue that that was not his intention. But moving along. This is also, and it has to be stated, the only version of Batman in the movies who has made it very clear what Batman's moral code is. He doesn't kill, although he does commit manslaughter at a couple key moments, and he doesn't use guns. And this one is actually semi-consistent, unless, of course, you count the cannons mounted on some of his vehicles that he uses to destroy property with throughout the films technically they're guns are they the type of guns that killed his parents no but they are still guns but he is like i said overall an idealist he believes that people can be inspired to be better and he also believes in ideals themselves he only has one rule which is he doesn't kill and he, only ha- and he has that rule because he does feel that there is a moral value to that role. Throughout the films, Batman also frequently sees the good in people. In fact, he frequently wants to bring out the good in other people, whether that is James Gordon, the only honest cop in Gotham upon his arrival, and actually... Actually, by the, by the end of the by the end of this trilogy, we've established that there are essentially maybe three or four decent cops in the whole city. But let's continue. Let's continue. He doesn't drink alcohol. In fact, um, in Christopher Nolan's Batman trilogy, if you pay attention, you will notice that Batman only ever pretends to drink alcohol, disposing of alcohol as soon as he has gotten away from people who he's trying to make think he's drinking alcohol. This Batman is very self-disciplined and has ultimately a lot of hope for people. In the Dark Knight, he creates well, technically, his company creates a device that he then expands upon to basically spy on the whole city. Now, the thing is, is that, yes, this is very fascistic, but Batman sort of understands that this is not an acceptable thing to do at all times. So he believe, chooses to believe in the good of his, his, one of his right-hand men, Lucius Fox. Lucius knowing that Lucius Fox, at the end, will destroy his device. Now, technically, he doesn't tell Lucius Fox that the thing he wants to do will destroy the device, but it does. So Batman knows that this is too far. He has a moral compass, and if he wasn't in an extreme situation to stop the Joker, he wouldn't be doing it. Through the Dark Knight, Batman consistently believes that the people of Gotham will choose goodness and dis and ruin Joker's theories. Because Joker is ultimately, now people refer to him as an anarchist, but in this series of events, Joker is actually a nihilist, or an absurdist, if you will. Joker believes that all the good aspects of humanity are a front that only exists because of convenience. And Joker wants to prove, essentially, to the world that it just takes one bad day and that human beings 
are essentially ready to be animals at any moment. And that's Joker's position in the Dark Knight. Now, the other more important character... Oh, also, Bruce Wayne, in the third movie, it is established that once he gave up being Batman, he attempted to solve the world's energy crisis with clean, renewable energy, but then discontinued the project when he determined that the clean the clean energy he was developing would have been too easily weaponized. And then he goes into hiding as realizing that he has ultimately failed to accomplish what he wanted to do, which was to save the world without being Batman. His idealism prevents him also from creating a weapon. However, the point of the third movie is that Batman's idealism has been tainted or even destroyed. We'll get to that. By the way, I, if you hadn't guessed, there's going to be major spoilers. There's going to be some major spoilers for the Christopher Nolan trilogy throughout this episode. So if you haven't seen it, what are you waiting for? Go out and fucking watch these movies. They're the reason superhero movies exist the way they do today. They are phenomenal. They hold up great. They're some of the best superhero movies ever made. Just go see them. Just go just watch them. They're, they're streaming all the time. They're at the library. Stop, stop waiting. If you haven't seen them yet, go watch them, all three of them, and then come back here and listen to this as I explain the true fascism of Harvey Dent, a.k.a. Two-Face. Now, it's important to understand this because you have to understand It's important to understand the thing I was saying about Batman being an idealist, because that is actually important. Batman throughout the series is an idealist, as I've established with the various points from the movies that I've said a minute ago. Harvey Dent is not an idealist. And we see this throughout the movies. So... When we first meet Harvey Dent, Harvey Dent is presented to us as a very upstanding member of society. He is presented to us as the good guy, as the film refers to him, the white knight. Hmm. He is is the person of Gotham. Now, he is the district attorney. He is a prosecutor. He is out to put criminals behind bars. Before that, he worked for internal affairs, policing the police, where the police gave him the nickname Two-Face, you know, because police are dicks like that, and they hate oversight. But the thing that Two-Face, I mean, Harvey Dent, hates more than anything is corruption. Why does he hate corruption? Well, we'll get that to that in a minute. But you see, as the film, unf- actually, no, I'll explain it now. As the film unfolds, if you're paying attention, you will start to pick up on something about Harvey Dent, which is that deep down inside, he wants to punish people. He wants to get out there and take these criminals off the street because he has developed a, because in his mind, these people need to be punished. And they're And it doesn't matter how you get to that point. In his mind, the ends will always justify the means. However, and this is an important thing to point out, because as through the Christopher Nolan trilogy, Batman does not agree with this concept. Does he occasionally bend this this rule for himself? Like with the sonar thing he uses to spy on everyone in The Dark Knight? Sure, but he recognizes that it's an overreach and then destroys it. However, Harvey Dent is not like this. Harvey Dent is at his root, has the type of personality of a fascist. You see, Harvey Dent operates inside the system in the movie not because he likes the system or believes in the system. No, 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 he does not. 
He does not believe in the system. He believes the system is corrupt and that he is actively trying to fight the system using the system. But deep down inside, he doesn't want to use the system. As Harvey Dent and Batman meet in the movies, Batman is impressed by Harvey Dent. Batman may be almost giving him too much credit because the woman he Batman loves sees a lot of potential and good in Harvey Dent. She's wrong, but she sees that in him. And because she sees that in him, Batman, who is a very emotionally disciplined person, also sees that in him. Also believes in Harvey Dent. He thinks that Harvey Dent is using the system for good. He thinks that Harvey's system, Harvey Dent also believes in the system. That's what he believes. But Batman is wrong about Harvey Dent. And Harvey Dent is kind of wrong about Batman. Because you see, another way that Harvey Dent gets Batman on his side unknowingly is that he likes Batman. And he thinks Batman's doing a great job. Now, Bruce Wayne, of course, thinks that this is because Harvey Dent sees Batman the way that he does. He thinks that him and Harvey Dent are potentially on the same page. However, there's a big difference between them. And the reason is, is because deep down, Harvey Dent doesn't respect Batman's morals or principles. Deep down, Harvey Dent likes that Batman has no accountability. Deep down, Harvey Dent wants to be able to do what Batman does. Deep down, Harvey Dent would rather just go out and start punishing the people he thinks deserve to be punished. And this is clearly indicated to us by Harvey Dent's behavior. After after commission after lieutenant gordon is shot protecting the mayor harvey dent comes into contact with one of joker's men a who is now dressed as a police officer whose name tag happens to be his slash his girlfriend slash batman's ex-girlfriend rachel dawes name tag upon witnessing this he does not operate within the system he operates outside the system. He calls Rachel and tells her to get where to the safest place she can think of. And then instead of informing the police of the situation, he, he steals an ambulance and drives Joker's henchman to a secluded area. Once there, he proceeds to try and mentally manipulate and torture Joker's henchman to get him to tell him what's going on with Rachel. He, Harvey Dent possesses a coin that is two-headed, a two-headed coin designed for, to help him win coin tosses. In other words, he has a coin specifically designed to make sure that only his opinion matters in situations that would normally be solved with compromise. Essentially, he is okay with the idea of cheating because he believes that his will is right. This is another factor of the psychology of a fascist. He proceeds to take out this coin to flip it and see, and, and basically to try and convince this criminal that he's going to shoot him. And in all honesty, he might be about to shoot him. However, Batman intervenes, stopping, stopping Harvey Dent from doing what Batman is frequently accused of doing, torturing a mentally ill person. Instead, Batman comes to the defense of this mentally ill former Arkham prisoner, saying that there's no reason to torture this poor man because he's a schizophrenic who is just being manipulated by the Joker. 
Batman has an empathic approach to this criminal that Harvey Dent does not. Harvey Dent has just tried to circumvent the system. Harvey Dent would like to circumvent the system because Harvey Dent cares about results, not methods. And if that means that Harvey Dent's gonna torture a mentally ill person, then that's what Harvey Dent wants to do. He's not seeing the whole human. He's approaching the problem from his own personal point of view, which is the only point of view Harvey Dent believes in. In fact, Harvey Dent is literally just a morally lucky fascist. Morally lucky in the sense that most of his beliefs and standards line up with what is acceptable with society, coincidentally. But on a deeper level, what he really wants is the power to punish people. Because that's really what he believes in. As we discover later. As the film... as the film progresses with the Joker having a back and forth between Batman and, and, to, and Harvey Dent, Joker's game escalates to the point where he tries to get Batman to reveal his identity or else he's going to start murdering people. Batman decides that it's not acceptable for him to hide his identity if it means that innocent people are going to die. So Batman, the idealist, decides that maybe now is the time for the lie to end. Maybe now is the time for him to come forward and face the consequences of his own actions. Because if his actions are going to result in mass death, maybe his actions aren't justified. This is the thought that Batman has. However, he is ultimately circumvented by Harvey Dent, who unilaterally reveals himself to be the Batman, even though he is not. Now, it's debatable as to how much of this was in fact planned and advanced. Batman seems genuinely surprised in the scene, like he didn't know it was going to happen. However, Harvey, however, Commissioner Gordon, I mean, sorry, Lieutenant Gordon at this time, is in on the thing, meaning that Harvey Dent set this up with Commissioner Gordon. Of course, he doesn't know who Batman is at this point, so he has no way of telling Batman he's going to do this. But ultimately, he unilaterally attempts to protect the Batman who he actually believes in more than the system. In fact, he believes the system is useless and that if Batman is not, and that the only person who can stop these criminals is Batman, which is why he decides to abandon his position in the system to promote Batman further and to protect Batman in their society. Of course, this is obviously also on a certain level, he must know this probably won't last because the next time the city needs Batman, he'll be in jail and, you know, Batman will show up. So I don't know. The stakes are kind of low for him, but it does piss off Rachel that Batman lets him do it because Batman sort of just dumbfoundedly steps back into the crowd the moment he reveals himself and is just like, uh, okay. But anyways, so it all results in them capturing the Joker and bringing the Joker in to into the police. At which point, of course, we have our classic Batman interrogating the Joker scene. And it's, you know, awesome. But there's some very important things that happen in this scene. One of them is that Joker starts to go on a little speech about how he's ahead of the curve. But also, he starts to lay out for Batman that eventually the system will turn on him. That eventually these people will abandon him to protect themselves. That these people will eat him, Batman, once it becomes necessary or convenient. Hmm, remember that. Remember that. 
Of course, the Joker has a wild plan of explosives that relies on corrupt cops. And it all goes pretty much according to Joker's plan. Maybe, sort of. Dent gets his face melted off and becomes Two-Face. And of course, Rachel dies because Joker lies about which of them is in which spot. And when Batman goes to rescue Rachel, he ends up in the spot with Harvey Dent instead. And the police fail to get to Rachel in time. At this point, Harvey Dent is pretty devastated. Batman is also pretty devastated. But they have very different reactions. Batman begins to mourn Rachel, while Harvey Dent begins to lose it. Now, in the comics, Harvey Dent has a split personality disorder. In the movie, we only get a tiny glimpse of this, a tiny, in, some small, tiny indications that Harvey Dent's personality is only beginning to start to split. Normally, this will occur when he'll just have random outbursts where his voice will be different. And this is pretty much as far as it goes in the movie. Of course, if his character had lived longer, maybe we would have seen that split more. And that would still be a very interesting thing to witness in a movie. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. Hey, Matt Reeves, have you considered this? But the point is, is that we start to see his personality beginning to split ever so slightly through the last part of the movie. And this is also sort of where the real nature of Harvey Dent starts to come out. Harvey Dent is angry. Harvey Dent is hurt. And all he really wants is to punish everyone responsible for what has happened to him. In comes the Joker. In a devilishly clever scene, Joker proceeds to convince Two-Face that he is not the real person he wants to punish, which of course is ridiculous. This was all clearly part of Joker's plan. But Joker convinces Two-Face that he's not the kind of guy who has a plan, that he's just out here frolicking and improvising along random dangerous impulses. Of course, the complex nature of Joker's plans indicate that this is a lie. Joker is merely a manipulative nihilist who has come to set another piece in motion in his game of torture and, well, torture. Death? I guess that'd be another thing. So he comes to Two-Face and he convinces him that he is not a guy with a plan and proceeds to lay out the fact that what Joker really hates is the system the systems in place of their lives. And Joker gives Two-Face basically a rundown of his nihilistic, borderline anarchistic philosophy with classic lines like saying, if I were to tell the people, if I were to tell the newspaper that that tomorrow a gangbanger or a truck full of, a gangbanger would be shot or a truck full of soldiers no one would bat an eye. But you'd say, one little man, you threaten one little man, and everyone just loses their minds. That's a paraphrasing, but the basic point is that he's pointing out the unfairness of our civilization systems and the fact that people will go along with terrible things just because they're expected. Now, the thing about Harvey Dent, though, is that he's not the kind of person who can operate with no system at all. So Joker introduces him to chaos. Joker convinces him to essentially flip a coin to decide if he's going to kill the Joker. Now, the clever thing here, of course, is that at no point does Joker plan on letting Two-Face kill him. If you pay attention to the scene, Joker... 
as Joker puts the gun to his own head, he has his own finger on the hammer of the gun, which would prevent it from, well, you know, killing him if he loses the coin toss. Two-Face flips for Joker's life. Later, we see Joker leaving the building, so we have to assume that he won. Two-Face then proceeds to go on a mission of punishment, a mission to punish the people who took Rachel from him. So he, first thing he does is he hunts down some of the corrupt, cop, the corrupt cops that were involved with kidnapping him and Rachel. One of them he kills in the bar on a coin toss. The other one he forces to be an accomplice to luring Jim Gordon to, and his fam, Jim Gordon's family in a, into a trap. Now she survives her coin toss, but now she also has to live with being an accomplice to yet more terrible crimes. He then proceeds to go after some mobsters. Once again, deciding their lives on the flip of a coin, because now the coin is his system of justice. The coin represents his justice. Because in his mind, it is now fair. And it's important to understand this also, the two-face is someone who believes that things need to be fair. And by that, we mean fair to him. He believes that everything that happens to him is unfair. However, it's not unfair for him to bend the, bend the law or go outside of the system to get what he wants. Earlier in the film, Batman goes to Hong Kong to essentially kidnap a foreign national. And he does this to help Dent. As the film progresses, of course, Harvey Dent proceeds to become more erratic and dangerous. But before we conclude that storyline, first there's the conclusion of the Jokers, where the various hostages, where the people playing Joker's game ultimately choose good and don't kill each other. This, of course, makes it appear that Joker has ultimately failed to prove his point, that he has failed to get Batman to break his one rule. And at this point, if the movie were to end with Joker dangling by a cord, then we could walk away knowing that Batman succeeded and the Joker failed. But that's not where the movie ends. No, Joker does not fail. Joker succeeds because ultimately his goal is for Batman to destroy his own idealism. In the final parts of the movie, Batman trades his own value to society to protect Dent. You see, Dent goes to threaten, goes to murder Jim Gordon's family. And of course, Batman shows up to stop it. Ultimately, Batman tackles Two-Face off of an edge to save Jim Gordon's son. And they both tumble over the edge, Batman living, surviving the fall, and Two-Face falling to his death. Now Batman has broken his one rule. Batman has failed to live up to his own beliefs. Batman has killed a man he once respected and loved, as misguided as that respect and love were. At this point, realizing what they have done, Jim Gordon and Batman hatch a plan. They hatch a plan where Batman will take the fall, where Batman will take the fall for everything that Two-Face has done. And in taking that fall, they push forward legislation called the Harvey Dent Act, which essentially turns Gotham into a police state. 
where it becomes extremely easy for them to arrest all the organized criminals. And organized crime drops to record lows. In fact, crime drops so low that Batman gives up being Batman to try and pursue clean energy. However, as the third movie shows us, his clean energy plan fails to live up to, well, his own idealism. Idealism he traded for a lie. In the end, Batman, the Dark Knight, trades the idealism we saw in him through the beginning of the movie and in Batman Begins for a lie that maintains the peace. For a lie that allows the state to essentially be totalitarian. And he goes back and he essentially tries to be someone who isn't Batman anymore. To more or, well, mostly less success. Now, this is about as much as I need to say about Two-Face and his fascism, because Two-Face does have the psychology of a fascist in this movie, in this series of movies. However, there is still a little bit more, because we can't truly appreciate what has happened to Batman here in the loss of his ideals without understanding the consequences that would follow. In The Dark Knight Rises... One has to understand a couple of things. First, in Batman Begins, Batman Begins was all about a essentially fundamentalist terrorist organization of extreme, with extremist utilitarian terrorist beliefs to destroy all corruption, no matter the cost. Led by Rajel Gould, the League of Assassins attempts to destroy Gotham with the help of Scarecrow. In The Dark Knight Rises, we see the return of the League of Shadows. Now, and these are some spoilers, led led by Talia al Ghul and her first-in-command, Bane. They are ultimately fundamentalists. They are here to wipe out what they see as no good for humanity. And in this case, that's the entirety of Gotham City. The thing is, is that Gotham City's totalitarian police state is actually one of the things that allows them to succeed. The corruption of the state ultimately makes the state weak to their influence. Early on in the film, Bane recovers documentation that he steals from Gordon, where Gordon was about to confess the truth about Harvey Dent. Because the guilt of what they had done is clearly weighing on both him and Batman. On a certain level, maybe they understand that they sold out their principles to win. Maybe on a certain level, he understands, they, maybe on a certain level, they both understand that what they've done is ultimately wrong. And later in the film, another cop actually, or I should say Robin, confronts Commissioner Gordon about this specific thing. As the film continues, essentially Bane seizes power over Gotham. Like all, like all dict, like all revolutionary dictators, though, he does it under the guise of liberation. Now, the liberation, of course, is a lie. He's not really liberating Gotham. He's just stalling Gotham out while they plan to annihilate it in nuclear fire. So Bane proceeds to essentially essentially run everything, you know, as if he were a fascist takeover of their city, which he kind of is. And as he is taking over Gotham City and putting it under his new, going from a federal, going from a police state that is supported by the United States government 
to a police state that is totally outside the control of the United States. Bain uses Jim Gordon's confession of, his, of their own corruption, of his own failure, the bad things that Harvey Dent had done. He holds up the truth of this to the people of Gotham, allowing him to stir the people of Gotham into a fervor so that they will destroy their own city. But of course, Bain, like, you know, most populist uprise, like most leaders of populist uprisings, which is essentially what he is inciting, are, of course, not really interested in the populace. So Bain is also fascistic in many ways. Bain is also the type of person who's not just interested in the body count, He's interested in destroying Gotham on a spiritual level. He tells Batman that he, since Batman does not fear death, his punishment must be more severe. They will not torture his body. They will torture his soul as they burn the city that he loves to the ground. which is easy for them to do because Batman by the third movie is a failure. Once he sold out, he sold out his idealism in the first movie. And and in, and in between the first and third, between the second and third movie, I should say he sold out his idealism in the second movie. Between those movies, he attempted to take his idealism into other directions. But his idealism was, well, in fairness, it does turn out that the person he was making the clean energy for did just want to use it as a bomb. So in many ways, his idealism sort of was right there. But once again, his idealism involves him seeing good in people, and some of them don't have any good in them. You see, the thing about The Dark Knight Rises, it's Dark Knight Rises is about the end of Batman. Essentially... He has lived long enough to see himself become the villain. So he must, So the only way to... So The Dark Knight Rises is not just about Batman saving Gotham. It's also about Batman saving his own soul. About saving his own symbol. About restoring the idealism to himself by potentially sacrificing his life, or as the ending might might imply, pretending to sacrifice his life so that he could actually retire to France with Catwoman. But the truth is, is that a lot of the disaster in the third movie is set up by his and Jim Gordon's failure in the second movie. They made the trade of Batman's principle they, they destroyed Batman's image to protect the image of a fascist. And in ultimately doing so, set themselves up in a weakened situation. Did crime go down? Sure. But they had built that crimeless society on a foundation of sand. Because it was based on a lie. We also see in the third movie that because of Batman's extreme seclusion, he has stopped paying that his altruism that he normally used to help Gotham has no longer become effective because in abandoning his company, he no longer has money for altruism. Slowly, we see Batman lose every piece of his life in The Dark Knight Rises. Alfred leaves him. Daggett, success. Daggett, a criminal actually, a villain actually from the animated series, steals everything that Batman destroys, Bruce Wayne's company, and gets him removed. And Talia Ghul and Bane 
take everything else. Catwoman is also in the film and Catwoman represents a very interesting part of the film because at various points she makes both very sort of Marxist comments, but also very Anne Randian sort of comments. It's clear that Catwoman is a very self-interested person who just happens to hate the rich because of their privilege and entitlement. Which side note, this film actually brings up Bruce Wayne's principle, like privilege and entitlement at several points. It's interesting that there was no one around at this time to complain how woke the film was. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? So anyways, so anyways, ultimately what I'm saying here is that Christopher Nolan's, Christopher Nolan's Batman trilogy, yes, there's some fascism in it. Oh, absolutely. But if you're thinking that the film is necessarily pro-fascism, I think you need to watch them all again and really understand what is happening. See, The Dark Knight is about Batman's failure. And The Dark Knight Rises is about his attempts to fix what he's done. So yeah, there you go. A great series of films. These are my, some of my deep thoughts on them. Every time I watch these movies, I, I pick up on more and more elements to them. And that's really the sign of a great film, in my opinion. The more theories I can generate after watching a piece of art, the better. I think that really shows a sign of the depth and range of what the film has accomplished. So yeah, those are my thoughts on that. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Go Batman. Hello, Batman, and welcome back. Thanks, Commissioner Gordon. It's tough. Hey, Batman, what, what, what the hell are you wearing? Oh, this is just a sticker. You know, I, I see that, Batman, but it, it says ACAB. Yeah, well, you know, I'm, I've just been... I've just been thinking a lot. About stuff. <laughs>